Hello everyone, welcome to Tea Time Reports. This is Trevor here. I'm doing a little solo episode tonight. Uh, we got the USFL coming up this weekend, and I'm incredibly excited. I think we're going to see a lot better football right off the bat than we did last year, because it did go through its growing pains. You've heard us talk about it and build it up, uh, build it up enough, and I'm, I hope some of you out there check it out as well this Saturday at 4.30 p.m., the Philadelphia Stars play the Memphis Showboats. Um, it's going to be a good game. Opening opening game, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Case Cookus versus Brady White. The quarterbacks have been announced for week one. Um, Corey Coleman, uh, you may know him from the NFL. He's uh, on the Philadelphia Stars. That's a name to look out for. Um, but today I kind of wanted to not only go through a bit, a bit of history about the USFL, but I wanted to kind of talk about what some of the predictions from uh, a writer from Fox I actually really enjoy. His name's Eric Williams. He covers uh, the AFC West in the NFL, and then he has been covering the USFL off all offseason. So he's kind of done a bunch of cool graphics on Twitter, and he's like gone in depth about uh, statistics and stuff and some of the newcomers um, to the league. So it's just something I thought that it's credible and... It also gives maybe first-time watchers out there uh, some players to look for. Um, just something to think about. But he kind of goes over like the, the defensive player of the year and offensive player of the year prediction and what he thinks is going to be like the, the top six players, including a newcomer in each. Um, so technically really a top five of who he thinks is going to win these awards who's going to be the standout player on each side of the ball. He did an MVP one, but honestly, I'm going to let that one kind of go under the radar, mainly for the pure sake of you don't really know in this kind of league. Anyone can truly emerge. And I I just think that it's easier to look at one side of the ball rather than the entire game, because the MVP genuinely could be anyone. could be the most random player, Kevontae Turpin, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but shocked everyone with his performance in season one, which, again, warranted him and got him a deserved position with the Dallas Cowboys for a three-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, he's playing year two uh, for the Cowboys. Second season, technical sophomore year. So shout-out to Kevontae Turpin. I hope he succeeds uh, and reaches greater heights uh, than he already has. But I guess to start, We'll go over Eric Williams' uh, Defensive Player of the Year candidate slash guesses here. Um, And I'll go from six to one. And I have, like, they're... Obviously, if they're a newcomer to the league, they don't have an existing stat line that can impress you. So that's why I'll go over, like, the number six spot first on both of these lists here. Um, But for Defensive Player of the Year slash... uh, Defensive Player of the Year candidate slash guess is Reuben Foster, linebacker, number 10. He's a newcomer, and he's going to be playing for the Pittsburgh Maulers. Uh, If you've heard of him, you've probably seen him play for the 49ers and uh, got practice squad stints elsewhere, but I imagine this is his uh, final push to get back into the league, and I think he can. I think he can immediately become the best linebacker in the league. Um, There's two other ones on this list that that warrant respect as well. Um, but I'm excited to watch Reuben Foster play. The Maulers definitely upgraded that position for sure with the addition of him. 
Um, and again, he plays linebacker, and he's wearing number 10 this year. So if you guys want to watch Ruben Foster play, definitely look out for the Pittsburgh Maulers. Um, at number five, Reggie Howard. Defensive tackle, number 55. Excuse me, I, I literally thought... I, I kind of was mixing up that name with something else. I apologize. Um, but yeah, Reggie Howard, defensive tackle, number 55. He played last year, and he got five sacks in 10 games. Actually, technically 11, because the Breakers did make the playoffs, but got eliminated in the first round. Um, and again, you guys have to preface, these stats are within a 10-game regular season. So some of them are fairly impressive. But Reggie Howard, defensive tackle, number 55, with five sacks last year in 11 games. Not bad. Um, he plays for the New Orleans Breakers. So if you guys want a, a trench player, look out for. Uh, shout out to Reggie Howard on the Breakers. We're in number 55. And then at the number four uh, spot on this list is Frank Ginda, a, a genuine favorite of mine from season one. He was just a dog, uh, always in in the pileup. Just a, a really good player. He's a linebacker wearing number five. Uh, last year... They went three and seven, I believe, and that's a ten. They didn't get to the postseason. He recorded ninety tackles in ten games. Ninety tackles in ten games, that's impressive. Shout out to Frank Ginda, and he plays for the Michigan Panthers. And I know um, that's really awesome for people up in Michigan, and especially the Detroit area. Playing at Ford Field, you have a linebacker that's really good to root for. So if you guys want someone that is genuinely a captain of a defense to root for in this upcoming USFL season. I recommend Frank Ginda. Shout out to Frank Ginda for real, though. Uh, again, plays linebacker, wearing number four. I mean, excuse me, number five. Okay, and then now with the number three spot on this list, Shalom Luani. I apologize if I butchered your name, sir. Uh, but he's the safety, wearing number five as well. He got five interceptions last year, and he played in 11 games. I don't know if he played in 11 games, but again, 11 games because they were 9-1, and one, went to the postseason, they lost in the first round. So five picks in 11 games is really good for the New Jersey Generals. He played for them. Um, I'm glad he's back. Mike Riley needs some of those existing pieces that he kind of lost in the offseason. Um, that's going to be good for them. That's a good, good position to have a solid player in safety. Um, again, if you guys... I uh, hear the number, he was wearing number five, and he got five picks last year. So it's going to be awesome to see him return for the New Jersey Generals. At the number two spot, we have probably one of the best players in the league last year, and he deserved what he got. Uh, he got a uh, full, I think he was on the practice squad of the Commanders the entire season last year, so that's good money for him. I uh, would love to have seen him start a game. Uh, deserves it. His name is Channing Stribling. He's a cornerback, wearing number eight for the Philadelphia Stars. And I just want to hold this stat line for last because I want to build this man up a little bit because shout out to Channing Stripling because he is a ball hawk. He is probably the one of the best. Like if he has a replicated season like he did last year for the USFL, he might be one of the best alternative corners of all time, alternative league corners of all time. Seven picks in 12 games. Seven interceptions. I mean, you can throw a bad quarterback play out there, but that's still impressive. That is still so awesome. And Caden, my little brother Caden, shout out to Caden. His birthday is tomorrow. He's turning 16, by the way, everyone. So if you're feeling up to it, definitely shout uh, 
shoot us a birthday message on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Tea Time Reports for Caden. He does a lot of work for the show. He does very smart guy. I love him. Um, but he loves Channing Stripling. And he just from from the get go, I think the first week one game, uh, Channing Stripling got a pick six or something, and he just right from, immediately ca- captures your eyes. He makes plays, agile, can read can read a play, and he's a better like. To be a good corner, you have to be an excellent receiver, and I feel like that's what he is. So I'm I'm so excited to see Channing Stribling back in a Philadelphia Stars uniform, and I hope if you're in the Philadelphia area, shout out to Philly, um, definitely tune into this guy. He's so fun to watch, uh, just a standout defensive back. But now moving on to the number one slot, a guy that didn't have the most impressive stat line regarding his position. But he had a game-sealing play in the championship game. He, immediate impact player with personality and leadership. He does so much more than just what he does on the field. Um, and that's what made, I guess, you know, I, I can argue that's maybe what made the defense so good for them last year was Scooby Wright at the helm. And that's who it is. Scooby Wright, linebacker, wearing number 33 for the Birmingham Stallions. And this man had 52 tackles. That was his most impressive stat line of uh, season one. And that's impressive. Don't get me wrong. I think he did miss two games due to a little injury. Um, But he had a pick six on KJ Costello in the championship game that sealed it uh, and secured the win for the Birmingham Stallions, which was just epic. I mean, KJ comes in, Case goes down on that run, breaks his leg. Shout out to Case Cook as he's also returning for this season. A great player to look out for. But KJ comes in. He's a little cold. His arm's not warmed up as much. And he's going for a check down. And he lets it sail. It sails on him. And then it goes right into Scooby's lap. And he just takes it back for six. And it's game over. You know? And that's a player you want to look out for because of his personality. He's so funny. And he's just a good leader. And he's just literally what you would want out of a football player in a sense. Like he's personable. And he does his damn job. And that's what I got to say about Scooby Wright. He literally does whatever he needs to do for his team. And you saw it every game he was in. So with that being said, definitely let us know who you think out of those names. If you know any of those players, uh, it's going to be the defensive player of the year, potentially in your eyes. And definitely there's going to be emerging candidates and stuff throughout the season. But this is a preseason little guesstimate here. Um, But yeah, no, very interesting uh, to, to think about. For sure, because some of these players definitely deserve that next step up. Frank Gendo deserves to be at least on a practice squad making six digits a year. But I'm glad these guys are in here. Uh, Not just making money, but playing the game they love. Solidifying a legacy. Being able to start and put out tape and show up for your family and friends. I'm sure it's a a feeling they will never forget. And especially in a really uh, promising league. Well, it's trending up into that promising direction. The USFL I'm speaking of. Um, I I think that they can legitimately grow with this league. And I'm excited to see that happen before our very eyes, and I hope it does. Um, But a little bit of a history lesson on the USFL. Uh, Before Cavante Turpin being the MVP, there were three others. And I just wanted to shout them out, because back in the 80s, the USFL didn't exist for three seasons. And the first USFL MVP... And you guys can Google search and Safari search all you want on these guys. But Kelvin Bryant, and then an 
The second one, Jim Kelly. You know who that is, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, who went 0-4 in Super Bowls. Herschel Walker, one of the best running backs of all time, was the third. And then Cavante Turpin was the fourth last year. So they've got some names coming out of that MVP slot. So just a thought, who's the MVP going to be for season two? If you have a good guess, definitely let me know and let the show know. Maybe I'll run a little poll on the Instagram story and throw some names out there. But uh, I thought that that was very interesting to see that Jim Kelly and Herschel Walker were MVPs of this league. And it's awesome that they're able to own that history, that iconic NFL players that went on to have phenomenal careers came out of this league. And I hope Cavante has the same luck because he showed that he is a shifty player, speed, quickness, good footwork, needs to pack on some weight to be able to not... And so he can bounce off a couple guys, you know, because um, that was his problem. He had three touchdowns this year during regular season. It's just not three touchdowns, actually, but he had three what could have been touchdowns on returns if he was just a little heavier, maybe 10, 15 pounds heavier. It'd be awesome if he put on 25, but I just don't see that happening for his size. But they could definitely use him on the offense more, and I hope that they do because he deserves it. And then you think of Herschel Walker, one of the best power backs of all time for the Houston Oilers. I mean, legend. And then you got Jim Kelly, you know, 0-4 in Super Bowls, but he got to a Super Bowl. He got to four. Didn't win any of them, but one of the, you know, slept-on quarterbacks throughout history, I feel. And then shout-out to Kelvin Bryant. I'm just unaware of your accolades, my friend, um, but I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's a great career. But now moving forward here to the Offensive Player of the Year candidate slash guesses for the second USFL season. I'll start at the number six slot. And shout out to anyone in Canada listening, because you probably know McCloy Bethel Thompson out of the CFL. I believe he is a three-time Grey Cup winner for the Stampeders, I believe. I could be completely wrong. I'm not educated on CFL. I apologize. But shout out to my Canadian friends out there listening through the airways. Um, but also shout out to McCloy Bethel Thompson. Took a massive pay cut to be in this league. He's a quarterback wearing number one, and he's a newcomer playing for the New Orleans Breakers. I'm excited to see him out there. He's got a nice cannon of an arm, smart, agile in the pocket, very versatile weapon, and I hope that he starts off to a good to a good start. If he is week one starter, I have not seen an announcement post uh, for the New Orleans Breakers quarterback position because I do have a lot of competition there with Akil Glass. So it's going to be interesting to see who actually starts there. Now moving up to that five spot on the list, Matt Colburn II, running back, wearing number five for the Philadelphia Stars, with eight touchdowns total last year in 12 games. This guy is a, he finds the end zone. He has a nose for it. I'm so excited to see him. He's very shifty, uh, not a power back, but more of like a, a, a you know, your shifty, check down, sure-handed guy, you know? And I'm excited to see him return with Case Cookus. Those two are a match made in heaven, and I hope that they run it back and maybe we see him win this championship. But shout out to Matt Colburn the second. Eight touchdowns in 12 games, that's impressive. That needs to be said. Shout out to Matt Colburn for also playing in the Hall of Fame game with uh, Kyle Slaughter. Uh, I think they were released from the Jacksonville Jaguars immediately after the game, but he was in the Hall of Fame game. That's an accomplishment. And that's like the, before the preseason. It's a little game two teams host uh, in Hall of Fame Stadium. But also, uh, moving forward to the number four slot here, Derek Dillon, 
wide receiver wearing number four. He had four touchdowns last year for the former Tampa Bay Bandits, but now the Memphis Showboats is who he plays for. The team got rebranded slash moved. He was a very good sure-handed receiver, a deep got deep ball threat, um, could get behind the defensive backs, and he, he had quickness to him. And he's he's kind of built like a bulldog, you know. He's kind of hard to tackle. It's just we didn't have the best offensive scheme for the Bandits last year, so he wasn't really able to show what he could fully do. But I'm excited for him to get that chance in season two, and I'm glad he's back in general. He was he was a glimpse of brightness on that squad last year. Moving up to the number three spot, a receiver I really did like as well, Johnny Dixon, wide receiver wearing number two, four touchdowns as well last year, playing for the New Orleans Breakers. I'm glad he's returning. Sure-handed, acrobatic catch guy, uh, go up and get the 50-50 balls. Uh, he, he, he was good at creating space, but he was more like good at using his body to, to guarantee that catch. He would go up and get shit. I mean, Kyle was slinging that shit. Kyle Slaughter. Shout out to Kyle Slaughter. But um, excited to see Johnny Johnny Dixon back. Um, I think the New Orleans Breakers need a receiver like that, especially with the completely new quarterback room. They're going to need that that for sure guy that knows the offense, that's been there a year, and can elevate You know, maybe, maybe some growing pain quarterback play. So I'm excited to see Johnny Dixon get an elevated playing status here. And shout out to the Breakers for, for getting them back. The number two spot on this list, Reggie Corbin, running back, wearing number three. 519 rushing yards, plays for the Michigan Panthers, and played you know, all 10 games last year. He was a dog. The only good, besides Lance Lenore and Joe Walker, one of the only good bright spots about the team. So it's just one of those interesting things to think about. Um, that he didn't get much more of like attention last year. He was very good. 519 rushing yards in that short span is impressive. He's shifty. He's quick. He's powerful. He's kind of like a DeAndre Swift-esque back. So it's really interesting that he's also playing for a Michigan team, and he kind of has that same play style. But he deserves more elevation and spotlight. He's a good, good, good running back, and I, I'm excited to see him back for season two. Maybe become the first USFL 1,000-yard rusher. I don't know if that's a it's a if that's a record that's been taken yet, but I'm excited to see if it will be him. Now moving up to the number one slot is a player that definitely deserves this. Marlon Williams, wide receiver wearing number 17 with five touchdowns, playing for the Birmingham Stallions. This man took the top off the Philadelphia Stars defense uh like twice in the championship game. He was a dog. Uh, so quick, doesn't drop passes. I mean he he is what you want out of a deep threat, you know? And I think he deserves this praise. I think he could pull off an offensive player of the year type of season. Uh, he deserves to be on an NFL squad, honestly. Even if it's like a wide receiver four, he definitely has the skill and attributes and generally the physicality to him that could definitely bring him onto a squad that needs receivers. Like how he wasn't on the Bears roster or any of the receivers I named weren't on the Bears roster, at least practice squad, to see what they got is amazing to me. But uh, with that being said, those are the, the those are the six Offensive Player of the Year candidates slash guests. Again, those are guesses, preseason, you know, assumptions. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see which of these players actually do put up a season like this. And I, I do have, you know, 
faith and hope in all these guys uh, to put up good numbers and play well. I'm just excited to see if there's going to be any newcomers besides the two that I listed on each list, the one on each list, but two total, that kind of shoot themselves or catapult themselves into that conversation because that's kind of what season one was. It was just a it was a mystery. You didn't know who was going to elevate themselves. I mean, at least I didn't. Um, so that was awesome to see USFL kind of stretch this um, off-season kind of content out by coming up with, like, having some writers put together cool templates and articles regarding these players, doing analysis on these players, and going more in-depth on why these guys were so good last year and why they might even be able to repeat it and I'm glad that they were able to do that. If you guys aren't on uh, Twitter, definitely check out not only the, the show's Twitter account because we're very high on USFL and we uh, we post a lot of content on there and retweet a lot of the articles and a lot of uh, fan uh, content. So it, we're very informed on it. So it's just one of those things where I really do hope that um, these guys are able to put up a good season. I really, I really, I really am hopeful for it. But if I'm going to take a guess here for the Defensive Player of the Year out of the guys I listed, my gut is telling me to go with Ruben Foster, mainly because he's been on the San Francisco 49ers. But I, I think I'm going to go Channing Stribling here. I think he, I think he's just that guy, you know? Uh, cornerback, again, for the Stars. So look out for him. Keep an eye out for him. I think he'll win Defensive Player of the Year this year. That's my guess, again, from the list I've, I was given on Twitter and I'm giving you. Um... And for offense, uh, I think, let's, look, let's take a look here. I don't want to disrespect any of these guys because they're all dogs, you know. But I think I'm going to go Reggie Corbin because he, he was this, the focal point of that offense last year. Joe Walker and Lance Lenore are receivers there. They just couldn't get much help because the quarterback play was terrible. It was, they had Shea Patterson and Josh Love. It was terrible. Josh Love is back, but I don't know if he'll be starting. Uh, Carson Strong is actually on the roster, so he should elevate that wide receiving room by good quarterback play so it's just going to be interesting again to see which which of these players will have a, a good season too as well um and then also going back to the usfl mvps here i think it's so cool that Cavante turpin is his name is next to herschel walker jim kelly and calvin bryant's that's a small exclusive list that seems premium to me, you know, I, I like I like that. But again, the uh, the opening weekend is this Saturday, and we have a ton of content coming out about that. Uh, we're gonna do a, a nice, probably live, uh, I guess, commentary recording session on the opening game, and then I do want to talk about maybe my my bets regarding the USFL because bets are betting is now in the USFL, so it's gonna be one of those things. Where we're gonna have a lot of content about the USFL coming out, especially in the next coming days. Um, Mainly because, again, it is opening weekend, 4.30 p.m. on Fox uh, this Saturday. If you guys aren't doing anything, I definitely recommend tuning into the game. And then maybe if you want to make some money, maybe I have a suggestion that might help you do so. But uh, at, that, at that point, we also have some other announcements coming up. We do have our mock draft, our two-round mock draft with trades included. Technically, our 3.0 coming out this weekend, hopefully. Um, we also have our Spartacus review coming out tomorrow night uh we also have our rowdies recap review because they just finished up now i believe um playing against charleston battery uh 
they actually just got an own goal. <laughs> but also, again, shout out to Caden for his birthday tomorrow. He's going to be turning 16. Um, I'm recording this a day early. So if I post it tomorrow, I apologize. You'll hear it on your birthday. So happy birthday, Caden. Um, love you, brother. Any other announcements? We have a couple more movie reviews coming out. Uh, we have a Jason Bourne franchise review that's going to be coming out as well, probably shortly after this. Um, and then we have another music discussion regarding Lucci, YFN Lucci, uh, maybe even some Young Thug. We dive in on some of their projects and singles and stuff like that. Um, but definitely more Rowdies content to come. If you guys don't know, the Tampa Bay Rowdies are our local USL soccer team. We've been pumping out a little content on them. If you guys haven't seen our Instagram, they have, we have a ton of really cool pictures and videos from some of the games we've gone to this season. Um, and they are, I think, playing right now, or they have played. Um, I watched the first half. I don't know if it ended yet, but uh, Charleston Battery actually, like I said, they scored an own goal. Their goalie tapped it in. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. But again, I really do hope you guys tune in for the uh, second season of the USFL. I think it's going to be a really good season of football. I think we're going to see some new names emerge, new guys go and elevate themselves to the NFL. And maybe some of the year two guys get to go up and get some actual deserved praise and get elevated themselves. Guys that didn't get nods last year, but if they do a year two of it, they'll get a nod and get elevated to a practice squad. Maybe, hell, even see some starting time like Tay Hayes or Cavante Turpin or Maurice Alexander or... Uh, Riz Ahmed. I mean, so many good players slipped through the cracks, and it's really awesome that we're seeing leagues emerge and spotlight them and give them that that's that, that platform to show off what they can do. And we, we talk about it all the time. Some guys just need an opportunity. And if they're given it, you see what happens. Look what Cavante Turpin did with his. Uh, he did something special. He was really fucking good last year for the Generals. And he'll put up a season that won't be replicated as far as kick returning. Uh, but he was a weapon on the field, and he genuinely did a great job. And I'm excited to see who that next MVP is, because it seems to me that the MVP of this league just goes on to do decent to good things in the NFL. It's a cool pattern slash trend throughout history. I mean, those three MVPs I named before Cavante were all in the early to mid-80s. That's a long time ago now, especially in the sports world. Um, but I'm excited to see a, a consistency built up by this league. Um, I would like to shout out the USFL, and I would again like to also hopefully get to see a live game this year. Um, I'd really like to either get out to Birmingham or Memphis or maybe even to Canton uh, just to go see a game. I'd love to go and... Uh, experience a USFL game for sure just to see some of these these players that you know you you typically won't hear of on that main stage but they deserve it and they show why they deserve it and especially last year a lot of guys showed off their attributes and physical talent and their minds their football IQs I mean I was excited uh the fact that it started up last year and I'm glad that I didn't miss a game um, and you can actually go back on Twitter and look at me live tweeting every single game and play. And yeah, no, I was absorbed and I'm going to be absorbed again for about 12 to 13 weeks again. So, I mean, I've been absorbed and obsessed since day one because I love this league. Uh, but season two, I mean, when it comes to a conclusion, I think it's going to be set in stone. We might have this league for a while. And that's important. Consistency, 
setting up a strong foundation for your business model, and playing smart, making smart moves. They rebranded a couple teams due to just what the populace and the fan base thought of it. They're listening to the fans, and that that's what makes me happy. It just seems like this league is for the average football fan. Not just average, but also the football nerd. Like You could really dive in and find a whole new club to root for, and I love that. It's just, it's different. They took all the NFL rules, implemented them, changed them for the better, um, and I, that's what I love about it. There's aspects to the game that haven't been explored by the, the NFL, but are being explored by this, and it's really entertaining and fun to watch, and I hope that this episode of the USFL and Tea Time Reports will genuinely encourage you to go watch it and make you want to go watch a game and see what it's about. Tune in, maybe find a player you'll you'll uh, want to root for, or again another team that you can uh, root for. Get some cool merchandise and you know tell your friends about it and have a good time with your buddies while you're sitting on the couch watching and watching some pro football during summertime. Like this is a weird time to be alive. There's football in the summer again. You know, the three years in the 80s wasn't long, but if they're able to make this a sustainable league and where it's on going along and going on for a long time, I, I'm, I'm there for it. I, I'll support that 100%. And I think uh, if you love football, you should too. And uh, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up here. I really appreciate everyone for tuning in. This journey's been interesting. It's been educational and humbling in a sense um, from everyone across the world listening if you're across the pond if you're down south up north anywhere it is greatly appreciated for you guys to support we we see you we hear you uh, we appreciate you and uh, with that being said i want you guys to have a great rest of your evening this is trevor signing off take care everyone